The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. This is craziness, Dr. Palmiter. Please call me Jim. No, I won't. Okay, don't. Just Dr. Palmiter is fine. I don't care if she is a pie genius. I wouldn't trade places with her. Now. I hate my husband pie. I don't think we can write that on the menu board, huh? Shouldn't be making jokes like that. I want you the hell out of my life. You are never to touch me ever again. I am done with you. Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I am Tobin Addington. And I am Aislinn Addington. Today, we're going to be talking about the 2007 film Waitress. Yes. Which I had not seen before. No, this isn't. So basically, we had to start a podcast for you to do me the favor of watching this movie, which I have been asking for a long time. Listeners, <laughs> I remember specifically once, I know I've done it a couple times, but specifically asking Tobin to watch this movie because I wanted to know what from a, an educated filmmaker perspective, like what is wrong with it? Because I, I'm not saying I think it's perfect, but... I just think it's a fantastic story creatively told. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to know kind of what, what not. Yeah. I was, I wanted to, to pick it apart just from that perspective, because from mine, it's great. And so I'm just going to go keep talking about how I think it's great <laughs> for a minute. So sharing our histories with this movie at the time that it came out, I was in grad. I just started grad school. Yeah. 2007. School. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, already, I was a huge Nathan Fillion fan. Pre-Castle, folks. This is all Captain Mel Reynolds <laughs> right here. Loved it. Um, and I'm I'm okay with Felicity. I didn't have strong feelings. Um, but so really, um, on this you know, feminist podcast, Nathan Fillion was my way in. Um, and <laughs> I gateway here. My yeah. gateway. I went with my dear friend, Sean. Hi, Sean. Um, Hi, Sean. Probably Nathan Fillion's other biggest fan. <laughs> we might have to, um, you know, have a competition for that later. But uh, but also a big fan. We went to the theater, and I thought, oh wow, we are here early. We're the only ones here. That's weird. At seven o'clock at night, and um, the power had gone out at the movie theater. <laughs> oh. So it took a second. I mean, we really had to work for it to see this film. And mm. um, I saw it and there were many things even at that time that I appreciated about it, which we'll get into. Um, and I, you know, immediately purchased it and, um, and it just, it, uh, my appreciation grew as the story sort of unfolded, which Tobin will tell us about in a minute. But um, Tobin, how did you find this movie? <laughs> well, I remember when this came out, partly because of the, tragic and untimely death of the director writer star of the movie or co-star of the movie that that was a i was just leaving grad school living in new york at the time and it was you know she was was you know in the independent film community and it was a you know it was a real shocking thing and um uh, she she died just before this gets into our two bits but i'm i'm sure this is, no this this is, is it's part of my history um that she was 
killed just before the film was selected for Sundance, where it made its debut. So she didn't even get to learn that her film was going to, you know, debut at this prestigious film festival. Um, and so that and 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 you know, um, various film critic associations made awards in her honor, and so, so she was in my consciousness, and so was the the movie. And I don't remember why I didn't go to it as it first was playing um i i can't i can't tell you why i don't remember the, any reason and i do remember you talking about it all along and i remember <laughs> when the when the musical the broadway musical uh yes. came about um and uh you know everybody in my life was um you know ta- talking about it and <laughs> singing from it and so yeah I, I i wasn't actively avoiding it i just it just it didn't, it didn't, I don't know what happened. I so kept trying I, to put it in your path, friend. You did. You did. And I did. So I did not see it until today. Hmm. Uh, so, Rhea, I love this because I have such a long <laughs> – I feel like our histories do start at the, around the same place. But yeah, for sure. But in terms of yeah. viewing the film, it's very different because this is probably my – 50th watching. I mean, <laughs> it's one of the, so I love it. It's great. Well, we'll talk about whether it's great or not, but you know, I love it. It's great. And I watch it with intention, but it's also one that when I'm quilting, because I'm really a very old lady, um, I'll have on in the background or when I'm cooking, I'll have on in the background. Like oh, it sure. is a, it is a soundtrack, uh, you know, of my life kind of, kind of thing. So for sure. Okay. So you mentioned, is there anything, do you want to is there anything else to say in your in your two bits around um, her tragic death? Not for me. I was sort of wondering if you had anything, just since you know the film so much more. I wondered if you knew any other sort of tidbits of how the film came together, since most of what I know about it is what happened sort of after the fact. Right. Um, and and I would – I don't know if this is a place to add this, but um, to add more tragedy on tragedy – um, she had had a young child who plays Lulu at the end. Oh, I wondered about that. Oh, breaks my heart. No. Oh. <laughs> okay, we're fine. Just shit together, Addington. Um, yeah, I mean, anything else I have to say is just adds to more yeah. tragedy. So I'm going to be done um, with that. But the musical had the, I think, misfortune of debuting the same year as Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of unfair for anything, for a, a juggernaut right. like Hamilton to come along. It's, yeah, that that's, yeah, no one, no one wants that comparison. But it's it's continued to run, and it's, it you know. And it's, it's touring. It will be in Portland next week. Oh, wow. As of no. the recording of this or the or the release of it? Oh, pardon me. Uh, you know, equally. Okay. It's here for about a week. So <laughs> Okay, okay. All right. So you have your chance. If you're in the Portland area, get yourself to waitress the musical. Please do. Um, it's exciting. And also there is, like you said, there 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 are, like you say, um, awards, et cetera, in her name. There's also an Adrian Shelley Foundation um to support female filmmakers. So if you're interested in that, find the website. Google is your friend. Um, and I would like to continue to name women. Yeah, let's do it. Would you please give us uh, the names of some of the ladies in charge, women involved in major roles in Waitress? Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Okay. Writer-director, Adrian Shelley. Lead roles include Carrie Russell, Cheryl Hines, and Adrian Shelley. Producers, 
Danielle Renfro Barons, and Bridget Mueller. Editor Annette Davy. All right, and Tobin, let's have. I'm so excited. Did you write this one? <laughs> I did, just literally moments ago. So okay, I'm so excited. I want to hear. I want to hear. You'll have to forgive me for any. You have to correct any errors that I have here. Or, <laughs> right, or, mine would have been, you know, 17 pages long. So I'm glad well, it was your job. Mine is long. I did. I did sort of keep going. There were so many things I wanted to include. Um, so here is my brief plot rundown, uh, fresh from seeing Waitress. Carrie Russell plays Jenna Hunterson, a pie diner waitress with two great friends, a somewhat miraculous ability to create and bake pies for literally any occasion, and an awful abusive husband. Plus, she's pregnant, a condition that leaves her extremely conflicted. Into the mix steps a goofy, handsome, attentive, and married OBGYN played by Nathan Fillion. The two jump into an affair, further complicating Jenna's already chaotic life. As the baby arrives, Jenna finally accepts her own strength, rejects both men, and goes on to live her dream, opening her own pie place named after her adorable daughter. Lovely. I love it. <laughs> Doesn't it just sound like a movie you want to watch? You know, it really does sound like a movie that you want to watch not just once, but more than once. Many times. Yeah. It is so I think, you know, to start, it is incredibly watchable. Now, you avoided it. <laughs> well, that sounds like I put a lot of attention into it. Okay, I didn't, sorry. You yeah. you didn't didn't make time or space in your life for it. That's is that true. better? That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, I and this is gonna get to kind of a major issue in the film I I'd like your input on. Um I, you know, immediately told our mother I love this movie. I love this movie. Watch this movie. And she did not care for it. Really? Couple of things. Okay. Okay. One, uh, because Nathan Fillion had just, by the time it came out, he had just um, played a, a um, distasteful character on Desperate Housewives. Ah. So she couldn't get that. He was also a gynecologist. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He, at the time, he made some jokes like, do you want to get typecast? No. Do you want to get typecast as a gynecologist? Because, you know, vaginas are funny. <laughs> um, uh, love him still. It's okay. So she didn't care for it. Um, one, because of the Nathan Fillion conflicts. And then also um, because, and I think this might be true of an, um, uh, a whole swath of folks, um, a, a, a woman – unhappy about becoming a mother mm, mm. Uh, didn't doesn't sit kind of well um so it took her watching it with me in the room oh interesting with me laughing and me crying and me enjoying it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, to really for her to appreciate it and then since of course she did fall in love as everyone in her demographic did with castle ah uh, right right then then nathan so now, once again is the way in Exactly. I mean, he, you have to say he's a gateway drug. I love it. <laughs> um, so how did, let's start with that uh, about how we, what we expect of women and what being a woman includes and how motherhood is part of that. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about, as you mentioned, her being um, deeply conflicted about the, her situation? I think that's one of the great strengths of the, of the movie. I think that the gulf between how parents and mothers in particular are, quote unquote, supposed to feel about having children um, and how they're expected to feel about having children versus how it actually feels 
is I think sort of un, unexplored and in, in you know in drama in movies and um, when it is explored often played purely for laughs and you mm-hmm. know you'll see some you'll see sometimes you'll see postpartum depression especially on TV that you'll, you'll see some uh, storylines that, that have having to do with conflicted feelings after a, a baby uh, arrives. But the whole the, – the during the pregnancy part, you, you just it, – it felt very fresh and very real. And, and mm-hmm. I, I, I really found that compelling. And I think that it's a combination of the way the part is written and the way Carrie Russell plays it. She's, she, she is um, not she, – she's empathetic the entire time. It's just that she is in the, her circumstances and her, you know the, the place she is as a as a character and you know and who she is. She's she is and particularly who she's married to. <laughs> that that <laughs> being that being a symptom of what uh, of whatever else is going on uh, or maybe a cause, but at, at least a symptom. That that is um, is totally understandable that she has feelings but also it's okay to have conflicted feelings about having children <laughs> like right. that's that seems totally fair and and so i really i had that note in in the movie i did not know that that had been a sticking point for some people um but one of my notes as i was watching the movie was how i felt like that i thought that that was underrepresented and and cool to see i mean it's going to be no surprise here but i 100 agree with you on that <laughs> um underrepresented is a great word for it um I think it helped. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so sorry. That's okay. It's okay. Okay. Take your time. I think it helped. Personally, it helped with that conversation about having children and um, the choice or ability to do that for her to say, not everyone wants to be a mom. It doesn't make me a bad person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are not enough people saying that. And right. um, I am lucky to have had people saying that around me in my life, but mm-hmm. you don't see that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. When I, the first, when I first saw this movie, I was child free. Um, and now I'm childless. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I, feel, I, I feel like I'm a little bit of both. And so from both perspectives, I I absolutely appreciate her giving voice to that and and also that she continues to stand up for herself in that way that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and Mrs. Henderson does not like to be congratulated. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That just – and also, but also then having kind of the support of her doctor separate Mm -hmm. from – the affair part right, that, right okay this is my patient this is what she needs and i'm gonna follow that right um is just beautiful to see and i think again very personally has helped me sort of stand up for myself medically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right these are yeah. my needs and this is where i'm at and you got to be on my team and and again separate from the affair i really appreciated how dr pometer was on her team yeah, exactly. And I get the sense from the character that he would have been on her team if he had not been attracted to her and they had not been having an affair. It feels right. like the kind of doctor that he is. And mm-hmm. one of the things I love about this movie is that he his so all of the characters are so completely dimensional, it almost hurts. Everybody <laughs> well yeah, everybody, everybody. It doesn't mean you like them, it doesn't mean that you want to be friends right. with them, it doesn't mean that that that, that you know, I mean Jeremy Sisto is a 
Mm. Is a, I mean, we'll get there. But Nathan Fillion, just to have this character who in ev- almost every other movie is the perfect person for her and they end the movie together and it, it, he is so attentive to her. There's a scene where he comes over to her house later in the movie um, mm. sort of after they've kind of broken up and then after she's she's broken up with him and then he comes over to her house after her husband goes to work and um, he asks to for her to teach him how to bake a pie. Oh, <laughs> I know. Oh. Um, just somebody to hold you for 20 minutes. Just, I, I, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, so they have this, this, he's so attentive and so giving and, and then you, you, and you know, he's married, but you don't know what the circumstances of, of his marriage are. And you wonder, I'm assuming watching this movie for the first time, not knowing about it, that, oh, there's going to be something he's only married in name or he's married to help someone out of a jam, but he's not actually like, you know what I mean? It felt to me watching the movie as though that was going to be a, something to, mm. was going to over, that was going to be overcome by the movie to allow these two people to be together, which would not have been unsatisfying to me. I mean, it's Nathan Fillion for crying out loud, but right. then, but then it's complicated by the fact that that you know when we meet her she adore the, the wife Nathan Fillion's mm-hmm. wife does she have a name I can't remember if we, we no, ever got her name the other Dr. Palmer I think yeah, no, the, yes right Dr. Palmer right that she that she you know uh, uh, um, they seem like uh, that that she, it's it's not the usual easy way out there right. she it, seems perfectly lovely in the one scene we see her in yeah I mean I also uh, uh appreciate the flawed nature of it and i think that in a in a film that has certainly an element of heightened reality Mm -hmm. i mean i think magical pies a little Uh bit i mean it's not sure it's not the magic of shakala but it's like on that road (laughs) right and whenever you hear the classical you know music and the the camera changes you know there's there's an element of it's a little fantastic yeah um to then have something like these flawed characters who are grounded in reality is, is an interesting juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I do appreciate the creativity of in those moments that are a little extra. I feel like that's in, in her mind a little bit, like we're from her perspective, that's how it feels. The, when they kiss and you, it suddenly sweeps around them. That happens a couple of oh, times. Yes. Like Merit yes, I see. Yes, and yes, with yes. the, um, the, the mom, the sort of burned out mom uh-huh, uh-huh. with the toddler. Yep. It also like then that comes up more than once. Yep. Um, and then when it's close up on her face and it's um, short skirt, long jacket. Yep. 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 And, and her face changes. Mm-hmm. Um, those were sort of the heightened moments that yeah. I was referring to, but also thank you for bringing up the pies. I, <laughs> I loved that because again, yeah, again, it's just very much inside her head. You know, when, when I'm um, about to get up in the morning, I make myself a list for the first five minutes. Like, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to let the dog out. I'm going to do this. And, do that. and it felt very much like mm. that to me. So it was, um, we are just so, you know, deeply close to Jenna's story. Mm-hmm. But in a world, like you say, filled with, I um, I agree that folks that are, are fleshed out and that must be why I am so emotional about it because they mm-hmm. are, all are so dimensional mm-hmm. that it does hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her two friends. If we let's, let's talk a little bit more about yeah. the women and yep. then we can yep. switch to the Definitely. men. Yep. Um, so Cheryl Hines being um, hard to age 
in this movie. I, I feel like she's one who sort of um, is, has a lot of hair and a lot of makeup to maybe look younger, but but it's sort of. I think she feels older. Yeah, I think we're meant to. I, I think we're meant to think she's a little bit older than they are. Older than them. That's, um, that's my guess. And in an unhappy marriage to a, what they say is a very old um, and very sick man, we don't we never see him, um, and also has um, a bit of a, a, a body dysmorphic uh, idea about her breast that one is <laughs> sits a lot higher than the other. Yes, <laughs> and that's a. I mean, it's a weird. It's a, this is a quirky movie. Yeah, for if sure. If you don't like quirk, yeah, walk away. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is quirky AF. Yeah. In that she constantly talks about one of her breasts being much higher than the other. And I love there's at one point finally when Jenna says, I don't know how to tell you this. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> like just <Yeah>. you're ridiculous. <laughs> and then the other waitress, played by Adrian Shelley, um, is uh, we we hear at the vi- at the beginning um, about how she's single and and very much alone and and kind of trying to navigate that and trying to decide whether or not she wants to date and find a partner or not. And, and mm. I liked that complexity of that too. You know, she's out there looking, but, but there's a part of her that does just want to be at home, you right. know, right. having dinner by herself. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, she also seems to have a poor self-concept, mm-hmm. a little bit, some low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And what I love what we're talking about that is I would, you could say Jenna also, um, sure, has some self-esteem issues, but whenever it's about the pies yeah. and it's about her talent, uh-huh. she's not self-deprecating about right. that. She's self-deprecating about everything else, but she knows her um, strength in there. And um, I heard a quote recently that uh, someone said, if women knew the wisdom of their bodies, we wouldn't be in this situation. Hmm. And I feel like she kno- she knows the wisdom of her body in, in her, the talent, the, the skill that's been passed down to her and the talent that she has right. in this. Um, and I, lo- so I loved that. They, like you say, they're so well-rounded. There's complexity. You can be proud of yourself for one thing, mm-hmm. right? but then also feel bad about yourself for something else. And that can happen at the same time. And so, and these three women support each other. I love, I love how kind they are to one another. They're, they're, yes. they, and they don't really let each other get away with Mutt? I mean, no. they, call, they call things out, right? Like they call things yes. out in, in in sometimes in very impassioned ways, you know, like it's not it's not like they're always joined at the hip and it's just yes, yes, yes. But they will they'll they'll do things for each other. They'll do favors for each other. They'll you know, and they'll and they'll support each other. I, I it was a I think a beautiful, um, as you say, quirky, but but not entirely sort of varnished look at. Uh, this this what felt like a very true female friendship between these three. Yeah, absolutely, I love it. Um, I yes, they do call each other out, um, which I appreciate as someone who does that and has that done to me. <laughs> uh, but they resolve it, which is the yeah. other part that they yeah. can they can hurt each other's feelings mm-hmm. and then come back around and then show up right um, for each other. And it didn't. They were sidekicks, but they weren't relegated to being sidekicks. I, you know, right. you could easily open another window and have the story of Cheryl Hines, right, or have the story of, of Adrian Shelley, um, independent of the Jenna. Um, situation. And from my understanding, I have not yet seen it live, but that 
is also a, a, par- a significant part of the Broadway musical mm, mm. that these three women are still at the, at the, at the of core it. of it and all have their own stories. But um, yeah. And they're all, everybody's flawed. Like no, there's nobody's mm-hmm. movie who's not some more flawed than others, but everybody has, everybody has flaws and, and everybody has, um, you know, it's not necessarily, I guess the, I guess Dawn, the Adrian Shelley c- character, she does have an arc. Um, uh, the Cheryl Hines character, Becky has maybe a little bit less of an arc, but there's a story going on. Like their lives are moving forward in the course of this movie. Everybody's lives are moving forward. Mm -hmm. Things are changing. The decisions they're making are going to affect their lives moving forward. You know, sometimes you'll have a movie, especially quirky indie movies where it's so centered around the main character that everybody else is just sort of hovering there in the movie and they don't really have lives of their own lives of their own. It it I think it shows that Adrian Shelley was an actor prior to mm-hmm. being a filmmaker because she it, she's re- writing so many great parts, not just great lines, but great parts for these for these actors. And you can see actors, you know, um, all of these three women, Andrew Griffith. You see these these actors like um, uh, finding things to mine in these in these parts and showing <laughs> a lot of different colors to these characters who who on the surface seem kind of simple, maybe or or you know um, they're kind of down home and kind and simple and there's wisdom. And, you know, but there's more to it than that. They feel much more real. Than Agreed. That. Uh, you're interested. I, I feel like I'm interested in what they all have to do. You know, someone else comes on screen. I think, okay, yeah, what's going on with that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, oh, yeah, you know, we see someone we haven't seen in a while. Oh, yeah. What, what was that about? Right. Versus, okay, I have to get through this to get back to <laughs> this poor pregnant lady. Um, right, right. So, yeah, you mentioned Andy Griffith. And I mean – I find him to be a delight in this. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, no nonsense, uh, but also doing that thing. And maybe it is just a trope of of storytelling, but I, I feel like there's something true about it where y- you have to be a, a sort of special person to see through the gruff. Yeah. In someone mm. else. Mm. And and so, you know, the other two waitresses avoid him, don't want to be around him. He owns the pie diner. It's Joe's, as he tell you, it's Joe's pie <laughs> yes. diner. Yes. Um, and they just don't want – he's just, you know, grumpy and fickle and what have you, but – um, but Jenna can handle him. And not yeah, only Be- that – Becky but, doesn't want to wait on him. Yeah, Cheryl she Hines doesn't want to – yeah, yeah. They, I think they are a little bit delighted by each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, there's yeah. some, there's a kindred spirit nature in there. Um, and and it is, I think at the end of their first exchange, um, you know, she says, you're not as, you're not as mean as, as you want people to think you are. Yeah. And right. He, right. You know, uh, sort of, Oh, hum, ha. And um, to, can we push it all the way forward and just do Andy Griffith for a minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So, you know, he's around, he's in the pie diner, he's in the diner a couple times eating, and then you see him at the at Don's wedding. And then at the end, he's in the hospital at the same time as Jenna, having a, you know, he was saying he was having a small liver operation and, and joking he might even die. And right. she's there having her baby, and he gives her a card and says, open it later. And it turns out the card has a check in it, mm-hmm. <laughs> which gives her the funds to you know, pull herself out of the situation that she's in. Right. Um, but what I love is she doesn't even know that at the time that she tells her husband off 
whatever. Yes, you know what I mean? Like exactly. she's made that decision. And then there's this. And um, one thing just to, to add, because I have watched the behind the scenes, the DVD many times. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Adrian Shelley very specifically, um, blurred isn't the word, obscured the number. Mm-hmm. Right. Because she wanted it to, to be sort of appropriate at different times. Yeah. I mean, yep. this does feel a little bit older than current, mm-hmm. but you don't know, small town. I mean, yeah, there are pay phones, but you know, so that dates it a little bit, but you know, you could put it in, um, you know, someone misspoke recently and, and said in front of me that the, the, it was based on a movie from the eighties. The uh-huh. play was based on a movie from the eighties and like, uh-huh. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But yeah. could it have happened in the eighties? Right, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I love that just that little detail to continue the magic. So it's mm-hmm. not, you know, twenty five thousand dollars. That means one thing here, one thing there. But right. um but so, you know, Joe turns out to be a little bit of a, a guardian angel at the end. But but more in the middle, you know, really does he d- tells her several times to start fresh. Yeah, right. In fact, writes that on the card yeah. to her. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, it's just tears over here. I just, it's so, so smart. This movie is really smartly put together in a way that's kind of um, uh, under the radar a little bit. I think because it is so whimsical and because yeah, there is a, a lot disarming. of kindness in it. It's very disarming. It's such, that's a great way to say it. And 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 so it's, I think, easy. I, 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 did, I didn't expect this level of sophistication from the movie. The mm. movie, the movie... As I as I imagined it from sort of cultural osmosis was as a sweet little indie, indie movie, and it is. But it's not a sweet little indie movie without a ton of craft and a lot of sophistication. This is mm-hmm. this is there's is a lot of intention put into, especially the way these characters are written and the way the performances are are sort of put together here and and it's making a few sort of unusual strong choices um you know as some of which we've talked about about her you know uh, the closing image being her as a single mom with this daughter mm-hmm. right like this is not a movie that ends with a traditional nuclear family heteronormative here's mommy daddy and and kid it's it's something else there's a different kind of independence that this movie is celebrating in a way that i think is it may be not radical, but as we said before, underrepresented. And I, and I, yeah, I'm, th- I, this movie is sweet, but it's not just sweet. Mm-hmm. Like a good pie. Like a good pie. <laughs> like um, a good pie. So now that we've talked about good things, yeah. we're going to have to talk about this husband. Yes, we are. Um, so, I mean, first let's give um, a round of applause for Jeremy Sisto's portrayal of a, a, a what I would consider probably a narcissistic, um, but absolutely serial abuser. Mm, for sure, for sure. He died, and I I also would like to give him a little bit of credit for taking the part. That's not a part that would jump up. Well, I mean, I guess depending on the actor, but there is, from my perspective, there is nothing redeemable about this character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And while it is. So I've heard, um, you know, fun to play the bad guy in a case like this. Yeah. Is it fun? I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure craft wise, he got to stretch and grow and, you know, do whatever. But golly, like he is the villain. I would guess that an actor finds the rounded edge to the degree that there is in 
the Earl character is by how pathetic he is. Mm. There, there are moments where he, um, where you get some glimmer of how complete fragile isn't even the fragile, word, yeah. but his ego, ego is like it's beyond fragile. And there, there are a few moments when you, where you see that, and it, it in no way excuses his behavior. It in no way makes the character sympathetic, but it does just enough shade of empathy where I can I see the human being that's mm-hmm. there being so cruel and so awful. Um, the uh, so um, a couple of years ago uh, at, at the in November of 2016, I uh, was teaching a history film class and we were coming up on the 80s and I was I was going to show a movie from the 80s uh, in our sort of the history of movies and it was time to do a Hollywood movie. And it was after the election, and I showed Thelma and Louise. I changed the um, I changed the uh, so the syllabus to, to to watch Thelma and Louise because it felt like the movie to watch at that moment. <laughs> and um, I, without Thelma and Louise, is a movie that I adore. It's a movie we will cover someday on this podcast. Um, I had not seen it in a while, and so watching it in the in a in a raw state um, after that election. Um, I was used to seeing the Michael McDonald character, the, the Gina Davis's husband's character in that movie, as a mm-hmm. caricature. He is, and it's, mm. he's certainly more over the top than um, than Jeremy Sisto's portrayal of Earl. Uh, but I always saw it as a caricature. I always saw it as a sort of as a as either a throwback or like a just he's just over the top. And watching it with these young students in that moment. On that day, it did not seem like a caricature. Mm-hmm. It seemed all too real, and clearly it comes from my, you know, privilege, my my lens. Right. I'm, you know, I have the I have the option of seeing him as a as a more funny than dangerous character, mm-hmm. and the same I think is true for this character in this movie. Except that this movie treats him a little bit more directly dangerous. I mean, mm-hmm. he, when we see him, especially when we see him being physically abusive, but also mm-hmm. withholding quote unquote withholding things like a car from her because he doesn't want her to be able to go anywhere. You know, I mean, right. it's, he, he's, yeah. he's 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 so so unbelievably manipulative manipulative to her in and controlling of her in these very i mean the 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 questioning whether she can say no to sex because they're married i mean this stuff that again is 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 not a caricature he's not playing a caricature he's playing a a, a person a hu- you know a recognizable human being which is what to me makes it all the more kind of frightening and and in this movie especially that otherwise is so is so often so sweet this sort of um leavens that in a way that I think is good for the movie, but is not easy to watch. No, I, yeah, absolutely. I think insidious is a word that I like to use around this. Mm. And I want to also, again, give Adrian Shelley, I would say similarly um, to the complexity of, of a woman and being a mother and not being a mother. Um, so that's kind of my number one when I think of this movie, like, oh yeah, it's that one where it says you're not a bad person. Right, it's, right. It's also a movie that highlights, um, I would say, the insidious nature of um, emotional and psychological abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, he also absolutely, we can see, demonstrates physical and sexual abuse as well. Right. But the what we see most of all what we hear about most of the time are those and the, like the words you said and i'm writing them down they're red flag words we use um you know to look at things a lot mm-hmm. that he's manipulative he's isolating he's controlling mm-hmm. um i mean it's just 
it is so, so difficult to watch. And, um, yeah, I don't, yeah. Andy Griffith has a great line when, um, they're, they're at Becky's or Don's wedding and, um, the, uh, Earl shows up, um, and, and he does this thing where every time he pulls up the car Mm -hmm. to, to pick up, um, uh, Jenna, he honks the horn over and over and over and over and over and over again. So he's doing this to up to the party and he comes into the party, throws a chair, clearly upset and tells her she's got 30 seconds to get in the car because he's really pissed. And then he walks out and Andy Griffin says something to to uh, Jenna, something to the effect of, wow, you weren't kidding. He really is an asshole or something. He really is a terrible husband. <laughs> he really is a terrible, terrible husband. And it's it's um, it's it's a moment that is played for laughs to some degree because it is funny I mean, his delivery is funny and but also is like you see him really seeing it there you right. you, you see um the andrew griffith character sort of he, he takes a beat before he says it and his jaw is open and he's watching this happen and realizing that that there's no um th- there are not two sides to the story there's one right. side to the story and mm-hmm. and ma- and that, that that sort of sinks in for him there and i think those those kind of little moments that she adrian shelley al- allows for and captures and cultivates in this movie are sort of what helps you, you know um is, is part of that sophistication i was talking about absolutely that's a, a great scene to talk about i mean every time he's on screen um you know you get very tense i get very tense and, mm-hmm. and I find him unpredictable from the beginning. You're sort of right. trying to figure out what his deal is and it just gets worse and worse. And that, to I mean, as like you say, other parts of it, it's a sweet movie and it's a sweet moment. They're getting married in the pie diner, Don and, <laughs> yeah. and Oki. Um, but that is the scariest. I mean, that is a frightening, frightening moment. And, and I sort of in that moment, I picture myself more as a party guest. Mm. And what. What am I going to do? Yeah, right, right. I can't imagine watching her go get in that car. Yeah. And yet, um, you know, I'm not going to make choices for her. Right. Um, and then the scene that follows when, because he's so angry because she's been um, squirreling away money to run away. He finds the money. She's, you know, it's in, it's under the couch cushions and it's in jars in the kitchen and, in you know, places that he doesn't normally look. So he's found all this money and it's, you know, very scary, very volatile. He's yelling at her. He's, um, I would say, you know, pushing her around a little bit. Um, and then he breaks down because, you know, of his massive insecurity <laughs> and that he really yeah. is as a person. Yeah. Um, because he, and he says multiple times, you can't love the baby more than me. Mm-hmm. And that's kind he of makes her concern. promise not to love the promise baby. Promise not to love the baby more than yeah. him. Um, and uh, and what I see in it, 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 her performance is exquisite. I think in that scene, Carrie Russell's, mm-hmm. you, I feel like I'm watching her f- figure out and then decide how to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because there are right answers and there are wrong answers in that moment. And she's trying to figure out, and this is, you know, this is a game. She's not a game. Pardon me. This is a, a path she's had to uh, forge before and figure out. And and there have been missteps. And by that, I just mean things that set him off. Not that she's done anything wrong. Right. Right. But you know, she's had to navigate his um, abuse 
for so long? And how is she going to do this to, for her to survive and for this baby to survive? Because by that time, when she's that pregnant, yep. um, she does there she does have a relationship with the baby. And yes, I want to yeah. ask you about that device. So we'll get back to okay. more terrible things about Jeremy Sisto. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't know at what point, because I'm not a film scholar, but, you know, in the middle about of mm-hmm. the movie, yep. The two friends give her this book. Then they know she's conflicted about this. And they they know some of how terrible he is. I don't know that they know how truly abusive he is. Yeah. Um, but so they give her this, um, you know, mommy-to-be book that has um, ideas and questions and comments and whatever. And then the middle of it, Dawn points out, is a, a place where you can write a letter to your baby. And mm-hmm. so then that starts this voiceover that we don't have until then. So it's not a voiceover movie, but in that, you know, after that it, it starts, she does start writing this letter to her baby. And sometimes it is very funny <laughs> and sarcastic. <laughs> you know, the, um, after he finds the money, you know, they go and buy a used crib and he buys a video camera and she yeah. says, you know, if you damn baby, if you ever want to know the damn story of how we got your damn crib, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, damn crib, damn life, damn baby, whatever. But there, it also allows her that mechanism allows her to explore. Um, I think herself, you know, fe- and her feelings about the whole situation. And you, that's kind of one way in, mm-hmm. and then, and then also through the relationship with Nathan Philly, and you learn more as well. But I. What do you think about that device? Um, I think that this movie earns that device. And I think Ooh. that because the movie is um, – because she, because she does have conflicted feelings about the baby, it allows us to see how she's beginning to have uh, – not to resolve those feelings but to explore those feelings and to see the, that, she's, that she's seeing the baby as um, – or maybe it defines her conflicted feelings a little bit because it's not about uh, – um, you know, she she because she has she has is having this relationship with the child uh or the baby did did it, did it bother you i get the sense that it bothered you no um no i loved it oh okay i mean i you're going <laughs> to you're going to need a well not really i was going to say you're going to need a microscope to find what i don't like about this movie but um i it was pointed out to me uh-huh. that it is a trope and that it can be very irritating and I think because of that specific mechanism and the way it's used, I I appreciated it. And I think it does um, – it sort of de- defines that relationship between – it begins to define the relationship between her and the baby, mm-hmm. her and the, the, at that time the, the fetus. Right, right. Um, but and, – and I sort of feel like it also makes those two a team a little bit mm-hmm. at that point mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. – she, she and the baby are sort of in this, in together, this together for better yeah. or worse. Right, right. And um, and as much as her, you know, her two friends are so much her friends. Um, there are things she's not telling them, and there are parts of it they're not privy to. And this baby is privy to everything. Mm-hmm. And so you know, she gets there's that an intimacy there um, that she gets to share. And by that device, shares that with the audience. And so I, it felt like, like, you know, it's a strong choice, but here, here I, I do. I love it. 
Yeah, Love I, th- it. I think it's earned, and I th- I think that it's used pretty sparingly, all things considered, in the movie. This and it's and it's always doing something different. It's never the same mm-hmm. voiceover. I mean, it's never it's never you never think, oh, this is the same thing I heard you saying before about how conflicted you are. Like you're 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 it is expressing the conflicts through the different ways that she talks to and about the 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 um, baby the the fetus and the situations that she's that she's mm-hmm. in. Can I lodge my main complaint with this movie? I'd love to hear I, it. I, All I right, say, folks, I say get ready. <laughs> get ready. And I think this has more to do with watching it with 2018 eyes, 11 years after it was made. But I sure. find the um, Don Ogie relationship. And the way it plays out in the movie, a little disturbing. Yes, I agree. Where he he comes to the diner. The first time we see him, he's come to the diner with flowers. And he wants to – she's had this five-minute date with him. And she wanted nothing to do with him. And she spends the whole – that this whole diner – this whole scene in the diner when she finally sits down across from him, telling him, get out of my face. Go away from me. I don't want you. And he keeps saying, you're going to be my wife. I'm in love with you. I'm perfect for you. I mean, he, she calls him a stalker and he is a stalker. And what happens in the movie is that that relationship ends up being vindicated by the movie and they end up getting married together. And while they, while the movie that seems to tell us that they are going to be, that they seem to be pretty um, good for one another by the time we see them at the wedding, I, my skin was crawling in that, in that scene. Um, and, and it just, it just felt like it was reinforcing all the things we're trying to um, teach young people, you know, uh, reinforcing all the things we're trying to teach young people to avoid in terms of the way that they should have expectations about how to um, pursue romantic encounters and, um, and deal with partners and take, taking, no, I don't want to, um, date you as an answer as opposed to, you know, so many romantic comedies being, it's just persistence. You just keep going and right. eventually you'll gaslight him or something will happen. <laughs> and I, so, so, and as I say, it felt maybe a little of a time, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's meant to be a reversal and kind of played for a laugh, but I, I wasn't laughing in that. That's it. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not here to, um, excuse a a you know persistence um stalker um non-consensual at whatever points uh relationship i can't i can't um i i choose not to defend that i i'm not expecting you. <laughs> I agree. it's not um no it's not it's not great and i think it it does with time get worse um mm-hmm. or is an example of what not to do. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so I can't, yeah, there's just, I can't really, um, it's not a, it's not a perfect film. Yeah. I, I feel wise, like she is but. so, she is so good at finding the, at, at sort of navigating complex issues and emotions and feelings and, and is so in tune with her cast and her, and her story. I just, I, I, I fundamentally believe if she made the film today, she'd make a different choice mm. there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I feel like some, I, I, maybe it's just me, just my awareness is, is, has been heightened on that. But I, I hear that more and more in the conversation, calling out these kinds of these kinds of scenes and these kinds of story arcs as, as problematic in a way that, that I just don't think anybody, you know, like it's, do you know what I mean? Oh, like I'm, absolutely. so I'm not, I'm yeah, not no, really think, blaming them. I, th- I think that would be a fun um, sort of experiment is how do you rewrite that arc in a way 
that is less problematic? Mm-hmm. Could it be that she goes on a date with him and is not interested? Um, and then she changes her mind and sort of chases him mm-hmm. a bit. Like, I don't, I don't know. There mm-hmm. could be ways to do that to still come up with a solution that they are two misfits who have found each other. Yes, exactly. Is, or, or, or maybe he's just a little less persistent or she's a little more unsure sure, rather than just being yeah. no get out but of I my But I mean, face yeah, if of, when he know? said, I won't take no for an answer, of course I was cringing because that puts him in the yeah, same yeah, yeah. bucket as Jeremy Sisto, who doesn't take right, no for exactly, an answer. Right, exactly, right. Um, right, right. Yeah, and these two right. characters are, I think, meant to be very different, but they have that in common. Right. And so I think right, that right. just speaks to how ubiquitous um, those kind of Mm storylines and those kind of messages are that even, even in a film that's pointing out um, how not to be in a relationship, they're going to miss some of these things that we previously would have thought were, Oh, that's so cute. Or, um, or, you know, look at him, he's going to get the girl. So, so yeah, it's not, it's not good. Uh, but, yeah. uh, but it's well, over fleetingly. Well, and, I mean, it's, and yeah. just, um, okay. If we're looking at the movie as a whole, like you say, they uh-huh. all have stories and, and she does have, um, she's an interesting character and, um, which one I'm are you talking, talking about, about Dawn and, you know, has, um, okay. mm-hmm. I don't know. She's trying to figure it out. And, uh, in the end she decides that. She can yeah. give Oki a chance. But yes, I do wish that particularly their conversation, that first conversation in the diner. Um, like you say, maybe mm-hmm. if she was just unsure, maybe um that would mm-hmm. solve some of that for us. Um Yeah. And and being uncomfortable could still be funny mm-hmm. and but but maybe not be so so right. squicky. Also, I do that actor is oh go ahead. I was just gonna add, I mean, Nathan Fillion, beyond the having an affair, um, you know, she's in the diner and and breaks up with him. Um, and mm-hmm. he does leave. You know, she sort of goes back, goes back and looks, um, and he's gone as she has asked him to do. But then the next time we see him, he is waiting outside her house for her husband to leave, and shows up unannounced. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe it's just that humans are problematic. Yeah, and and there is a there is, and, and maybe men. You know, maybe the maybe what the movie <laughs> is saying human. in particular is that the, these men are are all all particularly problematic in 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 specific ways. Um, but you know, look, I, I, as I, I guess what I'm saying is I forgive the movie, that scene. Mm -hmm. I just, that was the, that was like the one sour note in the movie and a movie that otherwise was, was, as I say, not just sweet, but, but sort of beautifully complex in a lot of ways. Um, but that was the scene that was like, ah, about that. That actor though was great. Eddie Jemison, who's been in a bunch of Soderbergh movies, all the oceans movies, and he's in Schizopolis and the informant. So go over and listen to all those movies on, um, uh, the, on Cinemakers, the other, podcast that Ooh, I do sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, good, and Tobin, you can hear talking about it. That was a quiz. Um, you know, which of these things does not belong? And it was the stalking part of their relationship. So <laughs> we found it. We good found the thing. Work yeah. you did. I'm glad I I'm glad I found that. You yeah. Did so yeah. Well. Or, um yeah. Good. I, I passed then, huh? <laughs> you did pass. Uh we <laughs> oh, talked good. about the end a little bit, but I do want to hit sort of like two more notes about the end and ask mm-hmm. you a question about it. Um, Cause another uh, trope that I have my antenna sort of up for is um, this idea that you didn't know love until you've had a child mm-hmm. or I didn't know if I wanted a baby and then I saw her and I couldn't let her go. 
And these things that um, are likely true in some way to people. I mean, I think I think it's it is hard to use words for uh, you know feelings that run that deep. And so the words that come out sometimes I think are mm-hmm. not great. And so as someone without children to hear that, I'm like, okay. Super. Um, so in this case, how do we, how do you, um, with kind of that setup, how do you, what, how do you feel about that moment in this movie mm-hmm. when she's looking away, she's looking away and then they hand her her baby? I noted that in as well when that scene came up because in a lot of movies, this would be a place I would say, "Oh, really? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do this this scene," you know. Um, I think that, but 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 this isn't most movies, and um, because there because the the she because she has been so conflicted about uh, having a baby through the course of the whole movie that this is a resolution to an to a sort of complication that's already been worked through mm. and it's it's as though she had to that this character not true for everybody not in everybody's experience but this character the journey through that she took through the this sort of complication of, of or complicated feelings about about how she feels about having a baby that that brought her to a place where she was ready when she when that when when she saw Lulu to be transported mm-hmm. in that moment and and not everybody has that experience and that's okay mm-hmm. and it could be that another person's you know it's it's it, it's just gonna be a different path for everybody and if and if this were a different movie and there hadn't been such attention paid to and um allowance is not the right word but um and the celebration isn't quite either but articulation of of how complicated her feelings were then that moment would have would have rung false i think and you might have had to have you might have won a complication there i liked that moment i think that moment works in this movie because it's it, because she's had to go through so much it feels like she has earned it and the movie has earned it at this moment but i but i did have that note there's so many times or there are a number of times in the movie where where events like that happen and i think oh man another movie that would not work but you know what this one this one's got it this one <laughs> found a way to do that moment so for me it worked it worked pretty well i i assume that you that it works for you too but did it it did. So as a person, clearly I have um, disclosed that I'm sensitive to those things. Um, and it it did, did even when I was watching it for that, thinking like, oh, am I going to have to admit that I hate this? Because it falls <laughs> into that, uh-huh. that uh-huh. thing that really categorizes me as less than in some way. And I may right, be less right. than in some way. But, <laughs> but, um, you were less than in no way. But <laughs> For me, it, it what I got from it this time was that having the baby was, for, you know, for her, what gave her the perspective to mm. really sort of step outside her situation and figure out what she was going to do. And that it could have been something else. It could have been winning the pie contest. It mm-hmm, could have been, mm-hmm. you know, it could have been old Joe dying. I mean, I don't know, but like it, but mm-hmm, so sure, it, right. It happened, sort of happened to be the catalyst for that. And and I and the way that, you know, she holds the baby and has that moment of clarity, which does happen a lot. I just think that how it's used here, mm-hmm. um, 
is is charming and complex in a way that many are not. And and she's has the moment with the baby. It all comes, I feel like, just into laser focus. Mm-hmm. And she's not only just says, I don't want to be with you, but like, I haven't loved you for a long time. You're terrible. Don't get anywhere near me. This mm-hmm. is over. I mean, she is. Yeah. If you come near me, I will done. flatten you and yes. I will enjoy it. You know, like <laughs> she she lays it all out in a, in a, in a commanding way, yeah. but not a, she's, you know, but it, not, I don't, how do, how do you describe how well, she I mean, says it's that? It's in a way that she's talked to other people in the film. We've seen her <laughs> yes, yes, have that yes. kind of command elsewhere, but she was not in a position in this very, very abusive. And, and not only just like, oh, it's abuse and that's terrible, but she has lived with that. She's been broken yeah, down by as that. You said. Yeah. Yeah. For, it sounds like, you know, since her early adulthood, I mean, since what I get and I, I don't know how much I've made up in my brain versus what's real. But, you know, let's say for 10 years she's been mm-hmm. dealing with – I mean, that is so much more complex to – or so much – those of us not in that situation cannot possibly understand how that affects a person day to day and and right. and your reaction. So. And what um, it must take to 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 right. say these things in this way in this moment to this person. Well, and she, I think, I love when she brings up during the. So she has a very sexual affair with with Nathan, and then a and then an emotional affair with him, sort of like mm-hmm. yeah, well, yeah. the opposite yeah. of what we um, tend to hear about in 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 these stories. Media, yeah, yeah. Um, but she ex- ta- it says specifically how not only did he change, which we know, you know, abusers do. They start very charming and, and may still maintain, you know, probably being charming and, you know, the cycles mm-hmm. of all that. Um, but that, you know, he changed and that how hard it is to be so poor, like to be a woman and be poor and be this. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that for me, that could have been highlighted more that, um, you know, economic um, stability and or instability is such a huge barrier to folks making changes like that. And, and, and where would ever would she feel safe? And I feel like holding the baby in her arms in the hospital in that moment mm-hmm. that, you know, gave her the, um, that boost to be able to, to end it like that. And then I love that she continues to have the, she says that to Earl, then she continues to have that moment with her baby Mm-hmm. And the rest of the room <laughs> yes. is blurry. Yeah. Yeah, and we yeah. don't hear exactly what's said. We know that, you know, Nathan Fillion gets between uh Carrie Russell and yeah, and Jeremy Sisto, and then two orderlies come in. And, you know, we don't know what happens next. I hope that a law enforcement is called and that we get some protective orders going right mm-hmm. away and mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But yeah. Who knows? Um, so you know, she sort of dispatches him. And then, like you said in your summary, as she's leaving the hospital, mm-hmm. she, without the you know malice, of course, yeah, yeah, <laughs> she, yeah, with a completely <laughs> different set of circumstances, ends with Nathan Fillion. And I, I loved the way that she said we could this could be drawn out, and we could spend years hurting ourselves and hurting each other, or we could just end it right now. Yeah, and yeah. I was just. I mean, honestly, I've carried that to other relationships. I think I've, I think I've cribbed that speech <laughs> um, other uh-huh. times uh-huh. because we do. And I've told people that, 
like you can continue to break up for six months or a year, or you could just be done. Because we've all done that. We've all been we've in all those relationships where we've where we've clung long, longer than we than we should have, for sure. Absolutely. So I, I love that. But then again, because it is a because there's the sweetness of this particular pie, it's roll me away and then roll me back because she's given him one last treat, which I assume <laughs> yes. is like a moon pie that she made. That's my assumption because it's in a package. But I, it's it in would a package. Not, yeah. I think it's. I think she deserves it just to press at the pie diner. They have to have to go things anyway. Yeah, I, I think it's a I, homemade I moon so, pie because yeah, it, he it doesn't feel like he deserves a a out of the vending machine moon pie. No, you know? and then roll me away, um, <laughs> and then she tells her friends they didn't know, and I love yeah, that like immediately. Yeah. 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 Oh, I had an affair. <laughs> yeah, I thought that that all those moments had such care and. Um, uh, it's deeply Just satisfying. Good. Deeply satisfying. Yeah. Deeply satisfying. Like a pie should like be. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and speaking of ways a pie should be. Yes. Tobin, would you like to play a game? Always. Well, full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not grow up in a in a pie full household. No. No, I don't think in- it really really ha- like truly actually tried a pie until I was in high school. And it was Munyers. Yeah, absolutely it was Munyers. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> it was great. Strawberry um, rhubarb. Strawberry rhubarb or chocolate. That she does that chocolate one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and please, mother, understand your cookies are the most amazing thing on earth. And oh, the care the care bear cakes yes. undeniable. It just happened to be not a pie household. Right. No, we we grew up with one hell of a baker for a, yeah, a month. I mean, the birth roll rolls and mm. cookies and no, very, you know, a top mm-hmm. not just not pies. There's no pies. So I, you know, you you might have trouble with this game, Tobin. Um, okay. But that's okay. And and I would I would encourage those at home to play along. Go ahead and and um, join us. Virtually, of course. Um, Do I through- open this box that you sent me and get out my fork now? <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be great. Um, Just kidding. And keeping in mind that that um, pie is a bit of a loose term. Um, mm-hmm. Here, you know, we understand that quiche counts as pie. Uh-huh. There's mm-hmm. spaghetti pie. That there's meat pies. If you're watching the British Baking Show, um, mm-hmm. so this game is called "There's a Pie for That." <laughs> I'm going to give you a potentially awkward situation. Okay. And you are going to, Jenna Hunterson style, Ooh. build the pie that would be appropriate. Oh, great. Okay, great. Okay. If you were ghosting someone on Tinder, what pie would you send that message with? All right. So I am the ghoster. Who's, yes. I'm the ghost who's giving the pie to the ghost ed. Yes. It's okay. going to be your, it's your last it's your last goodbye, really. Okay. Okay. Um, so it would just be a piece of pie, and it would be <laughs> like not old, old, but like <laughs> you know, a pecan pie a few days after Thanksgiving. Mm, Maybe mm-hmm, wrapped mm-hmm. in tin foil. You know. Yeah. With absolutely. a plastic not fork. A, not a lot of effort. No. No. Just not you know, time sensitive. After I like thought, it. right? Like the mm-hmm. message is clear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not here anymore. I like it. Okay, this next one has a part A and a part B. <laughs> okay. Ready? Yep. Calling someone the wrong name, part A in class. What pie would you create to write that wrong? You called someone oh. the wrong name in class. 
I'm going to borrow one of her pies. She does this pie in the movie that starts with um, brie cheese being sort of spread out in little sections in the bottom of the pie. Maybe it's more of the quiche pie and there's ham in it and stuff. So I would mm. do something with some sort of surprisingly um, um, sort of tasty, smelly-ish cheese in it as a, as a, um, uh, as a, uh, an apology there. Excellent. Okay. Now part B, you called someone the wrong name in bed. Oh, okay. So I'm going to bake three pies. Um, (laughs) I'm going to do a fruit pie, probably a lot of strawberry, maybe even some like sugar on top. I'm going to do Mm. a sweet, but a sort of spicy pie, like maybe like a, like a pumpkin with a lot of nutmeg. And then I'm going to do a meat pie because the meat of the apology is what's really important. And you need to have, you know, I want to provide meals all day long. Right. So, so some kind of like a, like a, um, lamb pie. Interesting. I really like the depth to which you wanted to apologize there. Well, man, that's, that's, that, you know, calling someone the wrong name in class is a, is a smaller infraction. It seems to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two more. Um, if you, uh, are in a position where you need to confront a coworker who is not doing their job right or well, Mm. and it's impacting your job. Okay, so this is one of those pies that's like a like this very very light, right? So it's like a custard pie, you know, like it's not, uh, um, or maybe even like the pie that's mostly like whipped cream, you mm-hmm. know. So the so it's very sweet and uh, very light, and you probably can't have more than a piece of it, but it still shows that you have that you are that you are you know you have. Because what what you're going to talk to them about is more important than the pie. So they're going to take a bite and they're going to say, oh, oh that's nice. And then you're going to get into what you need to say. Nice. I don't All want right. the pie to conflict with the message there. I want to be heard. Sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then finally, and, and this one, um, it just really depends on how you feel about the situation. Um, going to the movie theater by yourself. I love going to the movie theater by myself. <laughs> okay, so if I'm going to movie theater by myself, I'm going to make that first pie I ever had. I'm going to find Munyer's recipe for strawberry rhubarb pie, which I, I was as I'm sure I maybe took bites of pie before that, but that's the pie I took a bite and said, oh, "I see what pie can be." And uh, so there's there I, I would want something that I um you know that I held that I held dear as I went to do this thing that I enjoy so much. Excellent. I I enjoyed that more than I thought I would. Kind of like pie. Um, <laughs> you know, if listeners want to um, tweet at us what pie they would build to go to the movies by themselves, I encourage them to do so. Or what pie you'd build to come to movies with us. Oh, even better. Pies yeah. to share. What pies pie do you want to share with us, folks? Yeah, yeah. Tell ha- us. Hashtag pie share. Hashtag, hashtag pie share indeed. Well, wrapping things up, now is the time when we make our final decision. We get out our rubber stamps (laughs) and we uh, stamp this film, um, progressive or regressive. Is this movie a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Tobin, what say you? No surprise. This is absolutely progressive. It is a delightful, whimsical, but also heartfelt, serious, complex, 
um, uh, sophisticated movie that I was not prepared to thoroughly enjoy as much as I did. I knew I would like it. I didn't know that it would be um, that it would be so um, not just enjoyable, but as I say, sort of uh, um, sophisticated. And I am I'm really I'm really glad I finally saw it. This is not the last time I'll see this movie. I will definitely see it again. But I want to see the rest of my time to you because I feel like this movie is very close to your heart. And I'd like to hear what you have to say about uh, waitress. Well, thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad you will watch it again. I, um, even more, I think impactful. I hope that you find some way to teach this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're looking at, you know, this came out 11 years ago and Adrian Shelley wrote and directed it and was in it. Um, so she was doing all the work mm-hmm. and, and with it, with a team, um, of, of other women and men and, and perhaps non-binary folks, we don't know, but so she's got, you know, she, but she got this done, um, then, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, is a, a, a female main character with, like you said, well-rounded sidekicks. Um, and it's a female character, main character who is very flawed and who makes, perhaps poor choices along the way. Mm-hmm. We didn't really dwell on the fact that they were both cheating. I think mm-hmm. because the story is, is so great. So I'm always impressed when I watch this movie, I'm always delighted. And then I'm always very, very sad <laughs> because unfortunately this is the last, you know, completed piece we have. And I just, I'm so sad for what we all missed out on. <laughs> But um, I also love the legacy it leaves, not only for with the Adrian Shelley Foundation and other um, awards in her honor, but also a musical um, written by Sarah Bareilles. So, um, you know, pushing forward another woman who has um, worked so hard in her career and um, gave her the opportunity to do something different. It was the um, you know first time that she had um, written for for Broadway and then appeared on Broadway in it. Mm. So um, I think the legacy it leaves behind is something to be very proud of. And that's all. Thank you for sharing this movie with me, but also and for being sort of um, open and vulnerable with all of us in in your sort of feelings about this movie and and sharing as much as you did. That's that's not a, always an easy thing to do, um, and uh, and, a, and it's a brave thing to do. And I, you're not the only one to have these feelings, I'm sure. And I'm I'm proud of you for for um, being as open with us as you as you were. Well, thank you. It all depends on how you edit it. <laughs> yes, true. Uh. Next up, we are going to talk about uh, another movie that has made its way to Broadway. <laughs> how's, that for, oh, how's that for a segue? <laughs> we are going to discuss uh, the the Disney extravaganza Frozen uh, in two weeks on September 18th, a film uh, written by and co-directed by a, uh, a woman we've talked about on this podcast before, someone I went to film school with. Um, uh, Jen Lee. So that's I'm I'm looking forward to that conversation to digging into our first our first animated film. Right? Is this our first step into animation? I believe so. Yeah. Um, also, two female leads. So come back and check us out September 18th. You can find our episode for Frozen, Iceland. Yes. Do you want to be found these days? And if so, where can people find you t- to tell you what kinds of pie that they would like to bring you? You know, I am recommitting. Ooh. 
to Twitter and or email. I have this Cage Club email. No one has emailed well, me Tell there. us what it is again. Give us the Cage Club email. Well, if you go to cageclub.me and and find my host profile, there'll be a little button. Oh. And that will allow you to email me. And or you could email Tobin if you found his as well. Um, that'd be fun. But in the, if you would like to find me there, find me there. If you would like to find me on Twitter, I am at SassyNerdMT. And I promise to be more active and talk about pie and other things um, as the as the summer ends and the for me school year begins. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to get back to it. Um, how about you, Tobin? Where can folks find you? They could find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington. And you can find us at Facebook.com slash The Contenders Pod or on Twitter at Contenders underscore pod. Tell us what pie you'd like to bring to come to the movies with us. We here at The Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network for all those great shows, including a new show they have, uh, Foodie Films Podcast, which felt like it was appropriate to plug as we talk about Waitress, this this clearly being a foodie film. Um, check out Kyle's new show on the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can find out about that show and other shows going to cageclub.me or on facebook.com oh my god you can find out about that show and other great shows by going to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub and you can find them at cageclubpod on twitter you can find all the cage club network shows on itunes google play stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts while you're there please subscribe rate and review tell us how much you enjoy pie and (laughs) women and movies and tobin and me and our guests just really write us a book we'd love it um the reviews help us uh spread the word and um you know better understand our audience which is always a goal um if you leave a comment that i really like we might read it on an upcoming show (laughs) And with that, we're going to finish this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I am Aislinn Addington. I am Tobin Addington. And we'll see you next time on The Contenders. Producer is Danielle Renfro Barons. Sorry, do that again. Okay. Pro- mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Vaginas are so, as funny as genitals are funny. There you go. Yeah. Um, and boy, are they funny. That's a different <laughs> podcast. Boy, are my genitals funny. Uh, TM, TM. Uh, okay, sorry. That's right.